Hello and welcome everybody to our stealthy, very special M11 exclusive preview podcast from the MTG Cast crew. In order to help me actually talk intelligently about new cards like an M11, I need some help. So guys, who who are you sitting around me to bring the new M11 spoiler cards to all of our just rabid listeners? Well, uh, here's Jack from North Carolina, also known as the dick that posted really vague hints on that MTG Sally thread. So, uh, yeah, you actually gave me a little bit of palpitations on that one, but also I'm like, <laughs> for two reasons. A, you said, I can't re- reveal this till July 1st. I'm like, A, that's wrong, because I can't show this till July Yeah, 2nd. I actually realized that after I posted it, but um, the the hints I posted were also very sufficiently vague, I think. Oh, the I hints mean, not. The- it was more, I'm just, I'm afraid, I was afraid, like, July 1st, tomorrow's going to roll, and all of a sudden just blah. You know, oh no! no, no. Like my, like, my, oh, no. my brain totally farted on something like that. No, but um, uh, the I think the hints were safe though. Don't, don't wouldn't you agree, Mister uh, Mister Tom? Yes, I, I do agree. For how, how about Conley and Eric? Do you guys agree that his uh, comments were just? Uh, I didn't see his hints. I am in, I'm in the process of reading them right now. Basically, basically his hints were: this is a card. It's rectangular in shape, made out of some sort of cardboard with ink on it that you can then play onto a table. Did you guys know it could be played in Vintage? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I actually thought about uh, that. I was like, I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, wait, I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. So, everybody, we have our exclusive preview, but as an extra bonus, Gavin, some of you may not even know who Gavin is. Gavin used to be on this podcast before he left me for I don't know who, probably a woman. It is for me. The games. <laughs> People who pay him. Yeah, but but that's the true, same place everybody goes when they leave us. Some guys got to pay the bills. Hey, I didn't go to Star City Games. Give me some credit here, Eric. I do. No, that's no, what no, we have I, every week. I mean, some place that pays you is where most folks go when they leave the MTG Cast Network. Now, it so happens, Conley found someone to pay him, and he's still people. on the network. So Multiple people to pay me. Yeah, so we're very proud of that, because basically we should name, instead of the MTG cast network, it should be like the MTG Pro Bono Network. And while we're on the topic of myself, which is my favorite topic, of course, um, for everyone who's looking for my draft videos, one is up, and it's the horrible audio one. Another one will be going up in about 45 minutes, though, and that one is used with the, my new mic that I'm currently using, so as you can tell, the sound quality will be infinitely better. I also figured out that I was recording with a good mic, but the mic was using the settings of a crappy mic, so I had to figure out how to change that. So although the good mic had the capabilities to record well, it was not doing so. Uh, so I've fixed all that, and the new draft will be up tonight, and everyone can make fun of me for picking Vendetta, pick one, and you guys are crazy. I imagine you uh, I imagine you podcasting into your really nice mic, but through like a cup on a string network. Like, were you on a cup on a string with the cup next to the mic? That's basically what it was. Like, the good mic was in there, but it was literally using the settings of my old crappy mic. And therefore, not only was it not using its full capabilities, but it was actually, like, screwed up in the process because it didn't understand what the other mic was trying to record with. So, I don't know. It was it was a big mess, but I figured it all out, and it's all better now. Now, have you guys, for a time, about, like, kind of odd or bad, like, bad audio, have you ever heard of, like, these circuit-bent toys and things where they will cross circuits and make these children's toys make just these bizarre, god-awful sounds? No. No, oh, yeah. Cir- circuit-bending? I-, I have not heard of that. Oh, well, let's talk about it. People used to do this, like, the old little Casio keyboards where if you actually ripped open the guts and, like, bridged different wires on the board, you could have it make these, produce these just bizarre MIDI sounds that just melted your brain because it sounds like <laughs> evil like spirit noises it was hard to describe and now people do that to, like little talking dolls so they sound evil <laughs> but since we know that type we're just gonna skip that part yeah so anyway you heard Conley yeah, introduce himself and and i am of course of eric am eric from st louis mr suitcase on the mtg cast network man who appears on many podcasts you do you, you get around more than like the clap and i don't know Man with only man with one face, but many voices. <laughs> That's <laughs> many, your name. Many pseudonyms and many warrants. Yeah. All right, so guys. So this we, is like my third spoiler cast or whatever I've been on. I've done two with a mana pool, one with Tom already. So, so should we just kind of have everybody pick a couple of favorites that we have of the existing spoilers, and then we'll go through our exclusive card? And I think Tom ought to start. Yeah, because I'm calling dibs. I'm only going to go through really one card. And this is one that I got so many messages when this got spoiled on Mark Rosewater's Twitter feed. Everybody says, Tom, we honestly think they made this card for you. 
And it's constructed playable. Yes, constructed playable. Apparently made solely for me because we, we've heard feedback that Wizards employees have talked about how there's one crazy person that really likes ooze cards who will play with a card just because it's an ooze. I'm pretty sure they're talking about me when they say that. So, and also, I wasn't exactly sure what, what Mark Rose was talking about, but he was mentioning this like top 10 creature type list, and he said ooze was his pick. I didn't know what you guys, if you understood what he, he was talking about with that. Yeah, he's talking about his top 10 creatures. Okay. Obviously, he has this whole squirrel fetish that we all know about. Um, and apparently, ooze is also one of his favorite creature types. And it's awesome. So without further ado, the slime that was announced by Mark Rosewater is Mitotic Slime. A, this is just a great name when you hear about the card ability. Uh, four colors and a green. It's a creature ooze. It's a rare. It's a 4-4. Four, four. That's but it. That, that, that's it. It doesn't <laughs> have tramps. Just, just, just a vanilla. It's only block five. flying creatures. Yep. <laughs> and it has a cumulative upkeep of a green in the life. And you can only play one in your deck. <laughs> can, only, can only be played at some Restricted in all formats. <laughs> can only be played after your 10th turn. It's, like, yeah, it's so super Sarah, Sarah Avenger. You Actually, you can only play it if your name is Tom. Yes. You have to play seven green creatures before playing the spell. But actually, it's amazing. It's a 4-4, but its text box is just cool if you're looking for sack outlets or just good, constructive, playable cards. When Mitotic Slime is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, it just feels weird to say that, put two 2-2 two, two green ooze creature tokens onto the battlefield. These tokens have, when this creature is put into a graveyard... Put two one one green ooze green ooze creature tokens onto the battlefield. So I put I put a joke on the Twitter feed saying if if that I was in love with the mitotic Simon we were going to get an apartment together. But how many bedrooms would I have to have? Because depending on how rough of a night, there could be more stuff there in the morning than I planned on. But no, this card's like legitimately constructed playable. I mean, things like Promise of Boon I have seen play in the past, and that that coupled with another card, meaning you're spending two cards worth of stuff, gave you a total of five creatures, and like. I mean, granted, you still have things like Sprouting Throne X, which gives you four creatures for three mana, but this gives you seven creatures for five mana, and it's a single color, and, I mean, if you're looking to, like, you know, sling some stuff with a magma or sack some stuff to a Bloodthrone Vampire or something, this guy's definitely an option and can just come out of nowhere for huge amounts of damage. And on top of that, like, if you draw him by himself, he's not exactly a bad card. So um, I think this guy, like, this might be one of the first oozes to make constructed decks. Now, the only... What would you guys say is the, the best ooze? Like, I would argue that Necroplasm is probably the best ooze of all time. Is that the one that, that kills things like... Yeah, basically... One it, and two. It, um, you know, kind of gets plus one, plus one counters, and at the end of the turn it destroys all creatures with a, with a converted mana cost equal to those counters, and it has Dredge. Uh, I mean, that's fine, but it never... I don't... It didn't see much play. It's all a little bit of play. Huh. I'm gonna go look up oozes... It always surprised me. It always seemed like such a powerful card. It's like I have a board sweeper with recursion built into it. So. It just it just took so long um, to to take effect. Is the only problem when you have to like wait like three turns to kill the guy you want to kill. Um, I'm looking through all the oozes currently, and I would probably say the most playable out of all these is the acidic slime. It's seen okay, the most point, most, most cyborg play. That's a good point. Acidic slime. It, since it's a newer one, that doesn't like immediately go into my ooze mental list. Also, Monvuli Ooze has to be one of the worst cards I've ever seen in my life. Yes, it is cool that they are that they're like for Mark Rosor to accept that Ooze is one of his favorite creature types. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else ever say that. And also that they're giving us oozes that are flavorful. They're not just slapping cumulative upkeep on a kind of a crappy creature, and they're actually playable. And also, it's only one colored mana to cast, so it's a splashable. So you can actually play a multicolored tribal Ooze deck. Usually when you get to five mana, you're at the point where, even if it has, like, two things in its uh, mana cost, it's still going to be splashable. Because, like, at five mana, you should you should have two of each of your colors by then. Assuming you're not playing five colors. Totally kill my argument here, Conley. I'm, t- I'm trying totally to support kill your argument. Man. Buzz kill. <sighs> you are a buzz kill, buzz kill. Can I be buzz kill light year? Or light <laughs> buzz. buzz? I don't know. So That's guys, a Toy Story 3 reference. That, well, we, I mentioned in the last podcast. That yeah, we, just, we discussed it. So, how about, Conley, you, you, since you rudely interrupted me and destroyed my dreams, how about you pick your card next and I'm going to plot how I'm going to torpedo I supported your dreams, first of all. Supported them. <laughs> how dare you? We are getting a divorce. <gasps> um, so, oh, I would oh, like to talk. Shake weights. I would like to talk about another green card that costs a total of one more mana than yours. Any guesses? Titan? 
the Titan. Yes, this Titan is insane. So I'm gonna say Primeval Titan. Uh, easily, like so. I think the Sun Titan was the best Titan while it was the only Titan, obviously. But now it's third on the list. It is the third best Titan because this guy and the black one are duking it out for number one. Yeah, and I was gonna ask your opinion on which one you guys thought was the best one between the black and the green. Um, like this one's more deck specific, but it's also more powerful in the decks that it goes in. Whereas the Black Titan kind of plays Broodmate Dragon role to where it's going to be an insane creature, but you don't have to put it in a specific deck. It's just going to be a good finish no matter what. Like Broodmate Dragon's been in Jun, been in five color control, uh, and if it wasn't so color restrictive, it would obviously be in other decks too, kind of like a Siege Game Commander. Primeval Titan, you don't just want to chuck into every deck. You're like, oh, I'll grab two fours with it, and then you're just that's kind of lame. But in the decks it's going to go in when it's finding Eldrazi temples or, you know, Urzatron pieces or whatever you possibly want to find with it, then, like, it's going to be more powerful when you do resolve it. Um, like, Trample is way better than Death Touch, first of all. Death Touch on a 6-6 is pretty much irrelevant. Like, I understand if you get blocked by, like, seven wall of denials because your opponent's a dummy, then you get to kill them all. But, like, other than that, you're not really doing much with your Death Touch. If you give your... Uh, what's the Black Titan's name? Somebody know off the top of their head? Is it Grave Titan, I think? Grave yes. Titan. If you give it Trample, then the Death Touch matters, but like Primeval Titan already has Trample, so that's his that's his benefit. Um, putting any two lands into play is just so absurd. Like You can ramp this guy out, get him out on turn four fairly reliably with like a Lotus Cobra, sometimes on turn three, um, and then you're just getting any two lands. Like Right now, in, in Standard, you're going to be getting like Man Lands, Tectonic Edges, um, uh, Eldrazi Temples, things like that. And being abusing him that way. Plus, it's not like he just, like... So, think about things like Reap and So in the past, where you, like, you cast it and, like, you got your Ursatron piece or whatever. Like, this guy does that, but then they also have to deal with the 6 inch trample in play. Like, they can't just be like, well, I'll focus on destroying your mana base still. They're like, wait, I actually have to deal with this guy at the same time as destroying your mana base. So, he, prevents a th- he presents a threat while also presenting the impending threat that's to come. And that's what really makes him pretty insane. Like, 6 mana is a lot to be getting lands out, but the fact that he gets any lands just really absurd so that's definitely one of my one of my high picks and he's showing it on like the pre-sales of a lot of sites he's like 25 30 dollars already which is kind of nutty um i was writing down the cards that we've discussed and for some reason i wrote down primeval touch so i'm not sure apparently my mind's really sick i think it's a card though pretty sure it's a card i'll I'll research that i find it pretty amazing that uh the blue titan is the worst of the three and if you if but no, it, it isn't horrible because it, it is just horrible. If you just saw that and didn't see the comparative titans, so ba- the first ability is the worst ability you could ever put on a six drop. There's literally no worse ability you could put on a six drop. The, the ability could say when must the- be sacrificed if it is targeted. That's yeah, the worst but, ability. But, but then he would be drop. a twelve twelve. So like it's, that's not that's that's what happens there. Whenever, you put, whenever you put that type of ability, like the, the, the first ability is so dumb. Like you can't pat like oh your path exile costs three mana. What was me? I still lost three mana in the exchange. Like and then his second ability is like not even that exciting. Like if his first ability was that bad and his second ability was like draw a card or something, like that's much more exciting. And he's a six. I, he's a six mana six six in blue, and when he comes into play, he taps something, and then he attacks. He taps something else. And Eric, are you are you ever playing this? Next over, are, are you ever playing this over a Sphinx of Drawl? Ever? Probably not. Exactly. Exactly my point. Whereas you'll play a Primeval Titan over the equivalent. You'll play like you'll 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 run like these other guys over. Equivalent things. You're going to run a Grave Titan over an Obnixilis, which is like its counterpart. You're you're going to run Sun Titan in some decks over Baneslayer Angel because it has like a combo element to it. This guy just goes in as a beater, and he's worse at it than all the other blue cards that want to be beaters. Like I would never play him over Sphinx of Lost Truce or Sphinx of Draw Isle or Sphinx of Magosi. All those guys are just like way better than this guy. Like Sphinx of Magosi's six mana, six six, just like this guy with none of that other crappy abilities, and yet he draws cards and gets bigger. It's just better. Like, this guy, as a mythic, seems really crappy. Like, this guy can almost be an uncommon, and I'm not even joking. Like, if he didn't screw up limited, if he didn't screw up limited so much, this guy could almost be an uncommon. He, he is good enough to be a rare, a rare or a mythic, and people, and there are many people who will open him and be very happy to have gotten him. Sure, and those people also are happy, like, getting their diapers changed and things like that. I'm not, I mean, I understand no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's just inflammatory. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, that was, wow. That was inflammatory. I'm sorry. But all I'm saying is, like, this guy is not on par with the other Titans. The other Titans impress constructed, like, like right. pro not, players. Once and, again, 
and I'm not saying players. he's on the same level as the other Titans. All I'm saying is, in a vacuum, he is still a good beater. But we don't play in a vacuum. There's no such thing as a vacuum format. We're not playing, hey, flip the top on card. On the kitchen table, he'll see plenty of tip play. I don't think... If I mean, the other at, Titans were at his level, they would see plenty of play at the kitchen table, too. Now, the fact that they actually are, oh, my God, that's incredible on some levels. That's great. I just, I just, I just don't despise. I, I, I have to honestly say, Eric, I think I agree with Colin on this one, because so far the Titans, the other Titans we see the white, the green and black, is when you play them, they give you a bonus for doing something. The blue one just kind of sits there and just slightly tougher to kill. As a worse card in a cycle, you could have many, many worse cards. But I mean, why can't why can't his like last ability or even his first ability? What if he just had like pay your blue do that ability? Pay blue counter target spell to target him unless they pay two. He's already better at that point. Like I don't know. It just seems it just seems very. He seems. Very, I mean, I'm not complaining. The rest of the blue cards in the set are make up for it. Like I'm happy blue's getting some love. But Frost Titan is not worthy of the cycle. So I'm saying. It, he is because of what other stuff blue's getting. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll do my card real. <laughs> Demon of Death's Gate, six and three black. You may pay six life and sacrifice three black creatures rather than pay Demon of Death Gate's mana cost. Flying Trample, nine, nine. So what's the fastest way to get three black creatures in play in standard? That's kind uh, of like... Vampires, probably. Yeah, because, I mean, seriously, like a turn two, turn three, wow. dude. As a casual, I just got a boner as soon as you give me an alternate casting cost as a way to get out this guy without paying mana. Yeah, this guy's going to see plenty yeah. of play at the kitchen table. It's like, this is the type of card that kitchen players, like, love. And he has a potential to see constructed just because of an alternate casting cost. Like, currently, I can't think of a way to abuse him. But, you know, anytime you can have, like, a potential turn one or turn two, nine-nine flying trample is pretty good. I absolutely yeah. hate the name for this thing, though. The Demon at Death's Gate. I mean, really, what are we going to have next? The White Unicorn of Casablanca? Yeah, this sounds like this would be like the title of the Jonas Brothers when they decide to go, like, edgy when they both are all over the age of, like, 21. They have that first, like, oh my Lord. Miley Cyrus breakout. Back like, on now the I'm Jonas adult. Brothers. You know, how, do you, like, how do you one-up this guy's name? Like, what's the next biggest demon? Is he, like, the greater demon of Death's Grave or something? Like, how do you, like, this is, like, the ultimate demon, right? And yet, he, there's no way he's actually the ultimate I demon. I think it'd be, like, the demon no, no, driving, I, you know, Death's Camaro. I think that'd but, be like... Well, he's, he's just the guy at the Christine's gate, right? Mechanic. What's inside the gate? Oh, we got is that Gavin? What is that voice? Yes, I secretly added Gavin a few minutes ago. So he's been sitting there just plotting, right, taking notes, just going to take you guys all out. Which is funny, because I, I commented several times in the Frost Titan discussion, and nobody's noticed anything. I, know. Know. I, I thought it, I thought that was strange. It made me go check my Skype and saw you were out of the call. But Jack oftentimes talks in odd voices, whispers and things, so... Oh, no, come on, I've reined that wow. out. I've reined that just all, He's just pimp-slapping everybody around here. What did, what, did, what did you say about Frost Titan? Did you agree that it's poop? I, I do not think it is a very good magic card. The thing okay. is, it is a six-mana, six-six in blue, and so, like, it, it, it's not as bad as other parts of the cycle, just on the merits that it's, it has to be a 6-6 six, six for 6, right? But as far as abilities go, its ability is not very good. So I'm saying, like... Yeah. I, I know, I'm fighting the losing position. I accept that. <laughs> You're not only fighting a losing position, you are naked, and we have, like, machine guns pointing at your head. Yeah, like, we're, basically, Conley's delousing you right now on your way into jail. <laughs> well, thanks for that wonderful image. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Jack has that big scrub brush, you know, like on the end of a long handle, looks like a broom, sort of. No, 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 I'd use a loofah, it's much more rough. <laughs> a loofah made out of sandpaper. Loofah attached to a whip. Why can't he fly? Why can't Frost Titan fly? He'd be playable if he flew. Because he's a Titan, dude. Giants don't fly. Well, I mean, sometimes they do. They're okay, not giving blue flying as part of, they're part of a cycle generally anymore because of things like wonder and other times that they, blue ends up accidentally getting the best card in the cycle because of something related to flying. If like, this guy flew, he would still not be he'd still be the worst card in the cycle. And it still doesn't even really fit the the cycle to me because it has these sort of two different abilities. I suppose the other ones that sort of have one ability that triggers when they come to play and when no they trample or death touch or. Um, yeah, they all have they all have a static ability. This guy's first ability is just a really poopy static ability. Okay, and I guess in my mind I wasn't thinking of that as being a static ability. I would be happy if this first ability said like K 
counter that spell ability unless they pay that spell's mana cost. That hey, way look, I'm like, sorry I brought him up. Let's move on. No one else <laughs> wants to hear about the fight. Uh-uh, we're not moving on yet, brother. 15 minutes into the show, they're going to be like, all they've talked about is Frost Titan. <laughs> this is like a conversation you have on the public bus. The you hope you enjoy know. it. As long as you're willing to wave the white flag, Eric, we, uh, we accept. I already said I have lost the argument, okay? I already you said, said he, okay, who's getting revenge crabs out of this? That's all so let's talk about Gavin's favorite card of the set so far, because we haven't heard from him in a while, right, gentlemen? Yeah, although he did he did mention he came from MTG Cast when he was at the Community Cup coverage. It's true. So that's well, th- You're right, I did listen to that. I guess it's an interview. Yeah, without a doubt. Gavin, we're, we're bated breath, we're waiting to hear what really kind of is blowing up your skirt from M11 so far. Uh, what have you guys already mentioned, out of curiosity? Because I don't want to repeat something Basically, you guys already... so far we have stolen Mitotic Slime, because I called dibs on that one, and then Primeval Titan is kind of the other good card, as opposed to Eric's odd... Well, and, know, and then Demon no of Death's Gate. No whammies pick that he Gates. picked with Frost Titan. Demon, Demon I, of Death's no, Gate. No, I picked Demon of Death's Gate. I just commented <laughs> on Frost Titan in regards to the question <laughs> on the cycle. Demon, Demon of Death's Gate has been said. And then uh, we're not allowed to talk about Frost Titan anymore. One of my favorite cards so far, it's in preview, despite all, you know, there's some really sick reprints, obviously, and some new cards that are, like, small. Like, I love 4C, I love Preordain, I love Pyrotic Ritual. Um, but the, a rare that's got me excited and it's kind of flashy is Conundrum Sphinx. Um, um, this card seems insane to me. Like, I, I saw it, and I looked at the card, right? And the first thing I look at when the card is I look at, at its cost and its power intentionness and, like, the first line of its text. I see four mana, four four flying, so I go, okay, what's the drawback on this guy? Why why am I not going to want to play this guy, right? So I read the text, and I'm like, wait, they gave Blue a four mana, four four flyer with a good ability. Like, that's that's absurd. For those who don't know, uh, Conundrum Sphinx says when he attacks, each player names a card, flips over their top card, and if it's a card that was named, you put it into your hand, and if not, it goes on the bottom. And... And Blue, has, so many Blue ways doesn't have any ways to look at that top card. So, I mean, how is this good? <laughs> it's Exactly. It's a good thing this card is unplayable. If only Blue had to look at the top cards of its library. All I'm saying is the last 4-4 four, four flyer for 4 mana that was playable in Blue was Miss Bindclick, and we all know how we feel about that guy. <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to buy him for cheap before the new Extended came up. Uh, but no, this guy... Um, I mean, I, when, when Living Tsunami came out, I wrote that I basically rated that as a potentially constructed playable card just because I thought the drawback had the ability to p- sometimes be beneficial and just a 4-4 four, four flyer for 4 was just so good. But this guy will almost assuredly be seeing some constructed play. I've already built some decks with him in it, and uh, he seems pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, although, like, on one hand, what world are we living in where we see, like, a 4-4 four, four, flyer for 4 with a good ability, and are like, huh? Yeah, this this might see some constructive Could play. Be okay. Like, You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, where has Magic gone? What game are we playing? Are we at the point where like turn one twenty twenty? Yeah, uh, I guess this is what Magic's become, right? Like, I know we we have a we have a three mana five five with a drawback that could be negligible. So, <laughs> I, I, t- you know, that was one of my other favorite cards. The preview last night's preview. Phil all got blah 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 lit. Black three was in a. Uh, uh, Dragon Age Origins is where they t- use this word about every other sentence. Bila Mahalanila Witch. Phylactery. Phylactery. It has yeah. to do with Philanthropy Lich. Um, I, I mean, that guy seems sick. I, uh, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a home for him until Maelstrom Pulse rotates out. That's my major concern. Because, like, the first thing that came, came to my mind was, like, playing a border post and using him turn three on a border post. Gavin, um, do you mind telling people what, what the uh, text is in case people haven't seen it yet? So the Sicko Lich is BBB, that's that's <laughs> Necro for you, uh, for a 5-5, five, five, that it happens to be indestructible. It's a zombie tool. It, yeah, it's also a zombie. So it's sick with all your zombie lords. And uh, when it comes into play, you put a counter on an artifact you control, a Falalalala counter. A Phallus counter. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're automatic. This is actually If you put if you put a, a phallus counter onto your rod of ruin, you win the game. Or on a bone. <laughs> right, we beat our machines with our phalluses. Yep. Uh, okay, let's keep oh, going. Man, we are so mature. Uh, and so, um, what happens is, as long as that artifact's in play, as long as you control permanent with a fallula counter on it, then your list is okay. Which is interesting because if you play with two of them, only one of the artifacts has to survive for them both to be okay. Mm-hmm. 
This is why this is why extended uh, changed, by the way, because they just couldn't afford people playing their uh, their Vault of Whispers with their follow knowledges, and they they just couldn't stand it, so they just rotated it. This kind of reminds me of like Sarcomancy in some ways, like where you get multiple Sarcomancies, but as long as you have one around, you're doing okay. This guy has a yeah. lot of black in his mana cost, though. To be yeah. fair, except instead of a two-two zombie, you get a five-five indestructible. Yes, that that is the kind of the key thing. Where it does say right in there, he is indestructible, and it looks uh, like he actually is holding the rod of ruin in his hand. Now, did you guys see any kind of like legacy application for this guy? Because the all I could think about was Dark Ritual when I first saw it. I mean, <laughs> turn one not... Vault of Whispers, Dark Ritual, Lich. Please don't have Ancient Grudge. I don't think that's. <laughs> Even if they don't have ancient grudge, though, that's just not good in legacy. Like a five-five on turn one. I know it sounds bad, but your opponent could literally win before you kill them with it. Yeah, yeah. Five-five oh, wow. on turn one. Uh, Frixian dreadnought. Go. Plus, like, people play things like wipe away and Crows and grip, and you know all that kind of stuff. It's just not. It's just not and a five-five. Hey, don't be hating on my Mossworld Bridge. We already have enough controversy around that. I don't know if you guys oh, heard. Man. I will be. Uh, I will I be. I want to talk to you about that one after the show. Okay, I will be. There will be an article up that will mention. I'm writing an article about Legacy for TCG Player this week, and uh, I will address the concerns of all the freaky people in the world about it. But I got like trolls on my Facebook and stuff about it. It's ridiculous. Dude, there was because a thread on our on our local forum about it. Yeah, you're not Zane, to that. No, no, Zame showed me, and then like. Uh, what, okay, Bill, so what's the controversy? Yeah, what so are people angry at? You played a basically people think I stole a deck list and then wrote it off as my own. But I never claim. First of all, it, I did build the deck for myself. I'm not. I'll explain that on Friday. But I never even said that. I basically Bill Stark said that about me, and therefore Bill Stark ate crap because he said I designed the deck and some legacy guy wanted credit for it. But apparently, people don't understand that you can build decks. Simultaneous to other people building the same decks. Yeah, it happens all. I mean, it happens all the time in Magic. I mean, there's actually, a finite number of cards. Probably the most recent famous case was uh, Kelly Reed and Christian Calcano, both uh, designed Boris Bushwhacker at the same time. Yeah, but like, but basically, the guy's mad because I'm a known player, and so people are more likely to attribute it to me now. And he won his credit, and that's like understandable that you want credit for something. But to like chastise me and Bill Stark about it seems a little. Ridiculous. Basically, like, um, I'll get into it on Friday. Like I said, I don't want to steal hits away from my article on TCG Player. Um, no, that's but, fine. We all know the issue now. Well, if you're, as long as you're stealing hits to this podcast, uh, no, I'm <laughs> totally cool with that. I'll, I'll give the full scoop then, and I'll talk to Gavin about it off the air. But uh, it's not as crazy as people think it is. And I don't know. I'll we have controversy and phallus counters. I mean, this is going to be a no. It's episode. like it. It was in, like it's not. If the Esper Charm thing wasn't going on right now, then it would probably be, like, number one news. But luckily, okay. Cedric Phillips stole time the... Out, time out, time <laughs> out. We talked about this before the show, and you guys wouldn't tell me what what is this Esper Charm story about. We I, should get to our preview card before we do that. Okay. We should so hear Jess. Esper Charm story after the preview card, because I want to know what the what this is all about, because I'm confused. Okay. All right, so, so Gavin gave us his pick. <laughs> we know you gave us your pick. Uh, Jack, how about you? All right, well, uh, the card I'm going to pick for my current little heartthrob is, I'm going to say Temple Bell. Um, it's an artifact. It costs three, and it says tap. Each player draws a card. The reason I like this thing is it's a fixed Howling Mine. Um, we say all the time about how Wizards is paying more attention to the community, and they're really listening to what we're saying, and blah, 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 especially that they listen to this show. Um, and when I see cards like this, like that just kind of affirms that belief I have now. It, it also like, says tap and steal a piece of art from the Kamigawa block. Yes, yes, yes. And there's also like a small sky dragon in the back if you look. But um, for me at least, like this this is card is a sign of good things because it shows that now they're taking more avenues to actually like listen to the players and listen to what we want out of our cards and fix the problems that current cards have. So, I mean, I'm, I love this thing. I don't think Howling Mind is a problem, by the way. Like, I think Howling Mind's drawback is literally that your opponent gets to draw a card first and then try to answer the Howling Mind, and that's what you get for playing with the card. And if that doesn't happen, your deck's obviously built to capitalize on Howling Mind more. That's why you're playing with it. So, I mean, I think that is its drawback. This is this is drawback is that it costs three mana your opponent instead of two, and your opponent's still getting cards. They're just not getting them at the most opportune times. But it's, but it's basically the drawbacks that it costs an additional mana. So, like, I mean, I think they have drawbacks in different departments like i understand people not wanting their opponent to just draw a card right away but like 
It's, I mean, it seemed like, especially for Howling Mind being designed so long ago, like Howling Mind seems like a pretty fair card these days, which is a good thing. I have to say, I, I actually really like this card, as kind of you said, Jack, is from more of like a multiplayer, maybe like an EDH way, where diplomacy is a big part of the games. This is a card that everybody's going to like you for playing it. Oh, yeah, and I mean, Conley, you do have a point. Like, I mean, I would much rather play this in, like, Turbo Fog or Time Save or something like that. But as far as, like, from a casual perspective, like, you really have to play under the politics of the group sometime, and Temple Bell fits that perfectly. No, that that's true. But I'm mean, talking about for, like, if you think about this and, like, open the vaults or whatever, they're going to play this and Howling Mine, and this actually has interactions with Tezzeret, whereas Howling Mine doesn't. So, like, they'll both right. see play in that type of deck, and they'll both be interesting in it. Um but like I, like I said, I don't think Howling Mind necessarily is a bad card. It's definitely worse for multiplayer since everybody's getting a bonus, but they're getting it at different times. So like it's actually advantageous for the first player to then killing Howling Mind, and then you have seven players upset. Whereas this, everybody just draws a card right away. Like Mikakoro is a good, uh, good you know route to that same type of thing where people are like, oh, we'll let the Mikakoro live despite having the ability to blow it up at any time. Um, so I mean, I definitely think this is fine in multiplayer. But like as far as standard goes, I think both Howling Mind and this are one hundred percent acceptable cards, and they do very similar things. So. I was actually just over at John Lauks' house before coming to this podcast. And, yeah, he had a lot of visions of turn two Howling Mind, turn three Bell. Um, who knows? I mean, there's there's weird overlap time where we have three months where we can play with M11 and M10. So, All right, guys. Do you think our listeners have waited long enough to get our exclusive uh, preview card? I mean, this preview card is awesome. So Pretty sweet. Yeah. So here we'll do, since I am not you know the constructed guy, let me read it, then I'll let you constructed guys kind of go balls to the wall on this one. But we should read its flavor text first, because no one will pay attention to it once they yes. hear the rest so of the card. flavors text is, quote, it is a rough road that leads to a... Okay, wait. When I see this, I just see it gets written hard and put away wet. And I blame that on my father. Quote, it is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. And this is from Seneca, Epistles, translated from Gummer. Am I reading that correctly? I mean, nobody cares. Okay. Okay, the <laughs> MTG cast Monday Night Magic exclusive M11 preview card is Dark Tutelage. It is an enchantment. It is two colors and a black. It's a rare. And it reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Period. Then the flavor text that no one gets. I was tutelaged by my uncle when I was younger. That leaves scars. <laughs> Some scars don't. It does. It's true. All right, guys. I want. I want to let you discuss this. My first question is: We, as you guys go through how where this will be playable, why it's good. I guess in some ways, when I read this, I think about Phyrexian Arena, and to me, this seems worse than Phyrexian Arena. Incorrect. And this, yes. is, this is why I want you guys to discuss this. Like that's my immediate thought, and I know that's the wrong answer, but I want to no, know no, why. No, no, it's not the wrong answer. It's the right answer some of the time, and it's the wrong answer some of the time. Like if you're just throwing this into your deck. As a way to draw cards, it is worse than Frex Arena. I will grant you that because, on average, you'll probably lose about two life. Usually, when you figure out the mana cost of a constructed deck, let's say standard, whatever, the average mana cost, including lands, is somewhere a little bit just above two, like two point one, two point one seven. Um, I figured out a bunch for like extended when you're flipping things off Bob, and it's the same thing. And, and, we, and we don't have like evoke stuff around anymore where you can get. Yeah, and un, unlike playing with Bob, is when you do get to a low life, you just can't get rid of this. So if you're just throwing this into any random black deck and you don't have things to synergy with it, either by stacking the top of your library or gaining life, then I will agree it's worse than Frexian Arena, although it is more splashable. But you're not going to play this card in those situations. Like, you don't just go, okay, well, like, yes, I have four Persecutors and four Malakir Blood Witch and four Gatekeepers. Let's throw this four card in there and we're good. Like, for instance, in Vampires, um, the ones not playing Tendrils of Corruption and even potentially some of the ones that are, I think Sign and Blood is still a better card because it's better on the curve. It's You get the effect immediately. You can use it as burden for the opponent. Etc. But in like a control deck, that might be using something like a Jace and have one land in its hand at any point in the game, or have things like Halimar Depths, or have things like Tendrils of Corruption, or Corrupt, or any other life gain spell, or something like Crystal Ball, which may or may not be good, we don't know. Um, anything like that, this card just all of a sudden becomes better than Friction Arena because you can either be losing one or zero life a turn, and occasionally you know you're going to flip something like a Mind Spring and you know pay two life to draw 56 cards, and that's fine. But, like, I think, you know, it, it makes you, it, it's, Phyrexian Arena leads to more lazy deck building, whereas I think this leads to smarter deck building, and I think, like, something like this is even better in a, in a martyr deck, just due to its uh, mana cost. Phyrexian Arena has seen play in martyr decks, basically since they came out, 
black, but the double black's always been a problem for martyr decks. And yet, you know, this, you don't care about how much life you're losing, and it's much easier to cast. So, like, I think this card, you know, has some advantages on Phyrexian and has a few disadvantages, but overall, I think uh, this will prove to be just as good, if not better, than Phyrexian Arena. And, all the martyr think, decks that are going to see play in New Extended. All the what? All the martyr decks that are going to see play in New Extended. Well, obviously not in Extended, but I'm thinking about Overextended in the future. I mean, to be honest, uh, Conley said literally every single thing I was going to say. Like, I was, I, I was like, he would say something, I'd be like, okay, I still have three points. Then he would say his next thing, he'd be like, all right, I still got two points, we're good, we're good. Then he would be like, nope, just one point left. Then he said the last one, and then he had all of them. So uh, I'm sorry, Gavin. I didn't mean... when we don't show up every week. You, you, you get rushed. No, Gavin gets, no, 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 no. Gavin gets dibs on whatever he wants next, and I won't say oh, a thing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 this is what yeah. happens when Conley shows up every week, because Conley just replaces me. He says everything I'm going to say, except he's more adorable, and he's got a more, you know, and he's got the Conley thing going. I, I'm no, 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 no. Conley <laughs> is certainly not more adorable. It's really, yeah, it's really comfortable that. for me to say that to you, so I'm glad you just said on your own, Gavin. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Look, I've met, I've met Gavin, and Conley has stayed at my house. I can attest, Conley is not more adorable. Yeah, well, I, I want more cuddly, though. Would you say that? Eric, you make him sound like a grizzly bear. Conley's covered with baby powder at all times. I mean, he's going to be infinitely more. I mean, if nothing else, you're going to walk right up to him and just puff him like a Pillsbury Doughboy. I've been getting more baby powder support than you can imagine, by the way. What did you think of the. And this actually made sense for the the listener that gave us some tips on how to best apply the baby powders, where he puts it. Oh, did you guys get the email? No, no, wait. Stop, stop. I have more to say about this card. Even if Gavin, old Gavin's point isn't taken, I just want to say I mean, I I saw this, and the first thing I think of, of course, is Dark Confidant, not not the Frexian Arena piece of it. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges you have when you're playing with Dark Confidant, if you really want it in play, you know, other people kill them rather quickly. And can because everyone packs creature removal, and this being an enchantment dodges that fact. You know, and if you're building your deck, you can build your deck with ways to accommodate needing to get rid of it later. Um, so that that's kind of my my part of my thought on it. But at the same time, it's a double edged sword, which is a big issue because, like, yeah, with confidant they can kill it, but it's also easier for you to kill your own confidant if you get down to a low life total. Plus, it attacks, which is always nice. And, I mean, this is also just a cool example of, even though we've had, Magic's been around for you know so many years now, there's been so many sets, here you can see how there's still, even with what we know, there's a, still a lot of design space left. Exactly. Well, it's so, like, the perfect comparison of this, because it actually exists, look at something like Moonlight Bargain, and then look at something like Ad Nauseam. They have the exact same mana cost, they have the exact same uh, ability of Phyrexian Arena, basically, versus uh, revealing cards and taking damage, and which one of those sees more play? Like, If you're able to build your deck around uh, this card, it is more abusable. Granted, you don't have the ability to draw 50,000 cards in a single turn, but drawing five cards off uh, Moonlight Bargain is basically going to win you the game if you do that, but you take 10 damage. Whereas Ad Nauseam, you're able to build an entire deck around it because it's such a powerful effect. And, like, yes, this card kind of goes into control decks a little bit more, but with Standard right now, you have so many ways to manipulate the top of your library. And, like, obviously we had something like Top or something would just be insane, but we don't even need that. Like, Jace alone, um, you're just going to be drawing two cards a turn. You see an extra card off Jace every turn, which is already big enough, and you only literally need one land in your hand to never take damage off this. And, you know, Jace is a must-deal-with threat, and this card's a must-deal-with threat. They'll obviously deal with your Jace first, but then, you know, you take a couple damage and the game's over. So... Um, I mean, like, this card's definitely abusable, and uh, I'm excited that we got it as a preview card because we've been getting some good ones. We've got the Broodmate Dragon, I think, is when it kind of started off as, like, our our Yeah, that premier. was a huge one. Yeah, even Cryptologist, which we got now, is starting to see play, too. And the guy's yeah. holding his eyeballs in his hands. It, is, mean, it really. is very cool. Art. It's, oh, yeah, the it's art like for very this. Pans yeah, yeah. With Hellboy 2 to me. The, the art is good. Um, and is, is, that a, is that a crystal ball, perhaps? Crystal ball, I see somewhere? No? Maybe not? No, it looks like he has two eyeballs. That was a joke. Oh no! Okay. He, that, that was that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is, is there anything else we want to talk about M11 before we get into the this whole Esper Charm story that I don't even understand? Um, I apologize for dropping vague hints that were totally accurate. By the way, no, the, your hints I thought were fine. The only thing that got me scared is when you said it was going to come out July first. I'm like, no. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was just a massive brain fart on my part. But uh, yes, this card is a lot like another card, but not, for example, for Xen Arena. Um, it does something fundamental to winning the game, a la drawing cards. Um, it's not a tutor, and it can be played in Vintage. So uh, I think my hints were 
aptly appropriate. They were they were one hundred percent correct. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're gonna sit down. At least I'm gonna sit down because I need to be educated about what in the hell is this Esper Charm story that's been running around the Twitter feed today. Gavin's. I'm actually glad that Gavin's here because he can give his feedback since this is one hundred percent opinionated talk. But oh, yeah. I will let, I will let Eric, and I have been going at it on uh, on Twitter about this. As I well, will let so. Eric give the segue of like what the actual scenario is, and any parts he misses, I will fill in. So go ahead, Eric. Okay, so so Cedric, and I heard this story at the uh, St. Louis uh, Star City Games Open. Yeah, can, can, oh. we, can we trust a guy that likes Frost Titan? I mean, really? It's also, I don't think we can. Okay. It's also in Cedric's article. That's yeah. where it basically. So that to start off, that that's where I first heard uh, heard the story was the St. Louis Open. However, Cedric retold it in his article uh, this week. It went up today. Um, so the way things go is that he is undefeated in like about round five of a tournament, a, a cash tournament, and his opponent says, "I cast Esper Charm, Esper Charm, targeting myself." Cedric stops him and goes, so you're targeting yourself? He says, yes, I'm targeting. His opponent says, yes, I'm targeting myself. Cedric asks him again, so you're, you're targeting yourself. And, and his opponent says, yes, I'm targeting myself. Now, the key part here is the only mode on Esper Charm that targets is the one that discard two cards. So at this point, Cedric calls a judge over. Judge, judge comes over. Cedric says to the judge, my opponent has just announced he's casting Esper targeting himself. The judge says, is that true? His opponent says, yes, that's, that's what I said. So then uh, the spell goes to resolve, and uh, Cedric says, discard two cards. The guy looks kind of confused, looks up at the judge, and the judge says, yes, discard two cards. Or says, yes, you targeted yourself, or something to that effect. So, and so the, the judge rules in Cedric's favor in this part because now, now Cedric brought it up is I don't care if you think I'm a douchebag or whatever, I'm doing what I need to win. Um, some things to note is that uh, in the comments of the article, uh, Sheldon Mennery, who is a level five judge in Florida, um, and and he's a level five judge, so he knows his, his stuff. Uh, came onto the forums and said that um, that no intent is the important part of the ruling, and the person was obviously intending to to draw two cards, and he should have been allowed to draw the two cards. The other part of the argument is whether or not you know arguing like that makes you you know a, a d bag or a jerk or whatever you want to say. So. That's that's pretty much the the facts of the story. Anything you disagree with, Conley? No, I just want to get into my my heated opinion. All right, I mean, we're, uh, I think this is great because MTG Cast is known for like an hour long, like one card preview spoiler podcast. So let's do this. All right, here are so first of all, I'd like to say that my opinion on the matter and what I would do in Cedric's situation are completely different. I am have not been able to pull off uh, sketchy plays, we'll say. Uh, it, even it, going into GP Seattle, I was in the winning in round or the the win bef- the round before the winning in round, undefeated or whatever. And my opponent had six, and he cast an Esper Charm trying to make me discard two cards. And I had seven mana available and a, a Resounding Thunder in my hand, and I played Resounding Thunder, and he went to go scoop those cards, and then I said, no, it's only three. And he didn't die, and blah blah blah. And I and I like always look back at that play as like, should I have just tapped seven mana and said resounding thunder you and seen if he would have scooped, or should I have just like, you know, just said resounding thunder you and not tapped any mana? I tap, I end up tapping three or whatever. And like that that play, like I never know whether uh, what I should done there because it's like one of those things to where it's like you feel kind of bad for doing it, but at the same time you're winning, and it's it's really tough uh, gray area that you really don't want to be involved with. But in this case, um. I mean, I still, I still don't think I would have done what Cedric did, but I 100% agree with the way it was ruled and not the fact that he should have been able to draw two cards. And the reason is is that ultimately he, you're playing at the highest level or what is akin to the highest level, and you're playing for money. Uh, you have a card that has text on it. You fail to read the text. You play the card incorrectly. You get clarification multiple times, and you still assert that you're playing the card incorrectly. You get the punishment, which is, in this case, drawing two cards. And people are saying, well, the intent is to draw two cards, but how do you possibly ever know that 
Like, there is no way to know the opponent is in, intending to draw two cards or discard two cards when they say, target myself. If you say, like, Bant Charm, targeting your Banestar Angel, you don't go, oh, do you mean to destroy my Behemoth Sledge? No, that's not what you do. You put your Banestar on the bottom of your library because the intent, it, I, like, that's what you expect to do. If there you say, is Esper Charm, a way to know the intent. No, there's what, not. If you what say, mode are you using? No, that is a loaded question. If your opponent attacks with enough guys that he thinks are lethal, and then, like, you know, says whatever, and you go to make some blocks, and you're like, blah, 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 and he ends up not winning the game, etc., because he didn't attack with enough guys, then the, his intent is, there, is, of course, there to win the game, but he screwed up, and because of that, he's not winning the game. If you say, or you don't want to attack with your whole team, that turns into a loaded question. He now knows to attack with his own team. If you say... Are you sure you want to, are you like, what mode do you want to use? That's the exact same thing. It's a loaded question that in, that gives your opponent information and plays the game out for them. If if you take the exact same situation and you change it, let's say now I'm Cedric, I'm casting Thought Opponent, and I know his two cards in his hand. One, he's at, like, whatever life, and yeah, I know his two hand. And he says, Esper Charm, myself. Now is the state too ambiguous? Now do you, want, do you think he might discard his hand or whatever? What if he's at three life in this case? Like, if he says, Esper myself and then goes to draw two cards how do i know he didn't want to actually discard so he doesn't die like because if he wanted to discard he would have discarded yeah, but you can't you can't the thing is cedric asked him what he was doing he said targeting myself multiple times look i like, I, I, I conley you i have to you have to be clear in these situations or not say anything at all like if you say like if he had not said a word because you're obviously allowed to play if you're um, a mute, for instance. Like if you if you physically can't speak or something, you're allowed to like shortcut it and by like pointing at yourself and drawing two cards. That'd be different. But if play a mode on the card that exists and then don't do that mode on the card, that is akin to cheating. Like like if you say and bounce your guy, draw a card, and then you t- reach over and tap all your opponents and um, you know counter a spell like. How is that any different? Like, you can't just say one thing and do another when the card has explicit text on it. Like, you have to be able to read and follow the instructions on the card. That way, judges don't have to get involved in these scenarios, and you don't have these gray areas. If you just follow what your cards do, you read your cards, you understand how they interact, you don't end up in these situations. It's not yeah, a matter I'm of, gonna like... Use, what, I'm going to use the counterexample that Sheldon Mennery had used. In, it's a whole example. It, it, you don't want someone to, like... Okay, what, you're resolving Harrow. You put Harrow into the graveyard before you search out your lands. Somebody says, okay, then you don't get any lands. Because the technical order that you resolve the spell in means that you should actually search your lands out before you go put Harrow in the graveyard. And that is a 100% irrelevant example because that deals with out-of-order sequencing and not what your opponent says. If your opponent casts a Harrow, says, fail to find, then picks up and grabs two lands, that's the scenario. He said one thing and then did something hard. That is, it's completely different. Out of order sequencing has nothing to do with what comes out of your mouth and what you do with the card. Like, I don't even know how, like, I respect Sheldon as a judge probably more than any other judge, and I don't know how he possibly justified that as his example for why this should work the way it does. Like, you cannot, you cannot play the game for your opponent. I'm sorry, that's basically what it comes down to. Your opponent is required to play the game for themselves, and you, you, you should not have to hold their hand and instruct them on how to play correctly. If they misread a card, if they, you know, there's other cards in Magic that you can misread and screw up with, and you don't just always rule on intent on them. Like, in the hero scenario, that's a given shortcut that's been going on for years, and players try to cheat with it, and blah, 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 and it doesn't work anymore because players understand when you cast a hero, you're trying to find some lands. But if you say that you don't want to find any lands, then you pick up your deck and find lands, you're in a whole different scenario. Yeah, I, I, I think that intent is pretty clear when the guy either goes to, to reach for, you know, discards his hand or doesn't. If he, said, you know, if he says, I, you know, my intent is to draw the cards, not that, then but I mean, what, so what, wait, case, wait, 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 what? Why not just rewind it and say, if you have any response to him drawing instead of discarding, go ahead and take it. You know. Okay, so in so you're right. In this particular scenario, it wouldn't have mattered. Let's say let's go back to the image scenario. Cedric hammers his opponent's at three. His opponent says, "Esper charm targeting my." Cedric then counters it. Like now, what do you do? I, how would you rule his intent was? Was it to draw cards? Was it to discard cards? Like Cedric holding a counter spell in his hand. Let's say he doesn't counter. Let's say he has the option of countering it. Now, like, what do you do? Like, do you assume that he's actually going to make himself discard cards? Or do you go, oh, well, I guess he could draw cards here because that's a legal shortcut. Because it's not a legal shortcut. You now are making plays based on 
ambiguous state or ambiguous statements made by your opponent when they shouldn't be ambiguous. Your the opponent is choosing a mode on the card by saying target myself and then not following through with that. Like in this particular scenario that Cedric came up with, yes, it, it ends up that his opponent drew cards and it made sense or whatever. I mean, it, he didn't get to draw cards, but it made sense when his opponent reached for the deck. But then there are a million other factors involved in Magic to where this scenario gets put into other situations and the whole thing gets changed and you can't just you, – you need a universal way to rule these situations. And I think the universal way should be follow what the card says. If you screw up doing what the card says, you're the one that pays – the price. You need to learn how to use your cards and when you're playing at the highest level. At FNM, of course, do whatever you want. You know, you draw your cards. I'm not, you know, FNM is a 100% different animal than playing when you're playing for $5,000 or whatever. Like, you can't, you can't just change things based on scenarios. In this case, Cedric didn't have a counterspell, so the scenario is different. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you, I, I, it just. I, I hear me. clearly what you're saying because I mean the entire time that I've been learning how to play Magic up until the last couple of years when they kind of changed the 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 way rules rules are enforced and looked at has been that you know people are held to exactly whatever they say and indicate and you know intent has never been a has never been within within the scope. That, that's actually not true. Um, <clears throat> There's actually a point where a lot of rulings were made on intent. There is an excellent judge article called The Ruling by Intent in which they actually use the Harrow example um, several years ago. I don't know. I want to say six, five, six years ago maybe. I don't know. I don't really remember. But the point is, is that that's how they used to rule a lot, and ruling by intent was a big thing. But my understanding is that they changed that uh, when they released a bunch of new guidelines about, what, two years ago now? And they no longer rule by intent. Here, here's, here's my take on the situation. And I don't want to make this podcast too long because people tuned in for a preview podcast. We could talk about all this on the normal oh, Monday Night Magic now, show. Don't worry about it. Yeah, if they don't <laughs> but, want to hear this, they've gone. We've already talked all of our preview yeah, stuff. I, I'm sorting my green deck right now. So, But uh, my take on the situation is if we, if we were ruling by intent, he clearly draws two cards. Okay? However, this is the thing. And, and if he just says, Esper Charm targeting myself goes to draw the cards, and then he stops them and says, no, you have to discard two. I think that's also a different situation. But the fact that he confirmed it three, three or four times, I mean, when your opponent keeps going on about your wording of a card, it is it should just be common sense. You pick up the card, read it, find out what, what your opponent is trying to do. Because you don't just ask your opponent, you're drawing two cards for like four times and expect that everything's going to go down peachy. You don't have him call over a judge and have him witness it to assume that, oh, well, that he, this judge, he just wants this judge to see that I'm drawing two cards or whatever, right? So I feel like the fact that, that Cedric asked him so many times and the guy didn't notice, that, then discarding two cards isn't as, as far-fetched. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this in Seattle now for, I don't know, ever since the card was released about how it was worded. And it's funny to see that it hasn't ever really come up until now. And we've uh-huh. talked about what would happen. And we felt like judges wouldn't let you run it by, but... I guess in this case, that's how it goes. Aaron Forsyth actually just said uh, on Twitter about an hour ago that he wishes that they had worded it to where it was um, paralleled, to where that they had targeted draw and targeted discard. That way, this didn't come up. But the, what they've been trying to do is um, is make draw less less draw targeted for simplicity reasons. But he said that in this case, it should have been parallel card design to where both halves of the card did the same thing. And he uh, he regrets that being the case. And it really hasn't been a huge issue until now. Um, but he did admit that on Twitter. So, the, the, also, the worst part, or, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just say the worst part about this ruling is not what actually happened to Cedric, but the fact that there are going to be you know hundreds of people who are going to try and run this back in the rest of the PTQ season. That's the most frustrating part. Is not that's, that it happened once true. and was successful, but all the copycats that are going to happen because of it, and how people are going to to use this as an example for why this should. Work. I have some breaking news that we have to discuss. You're so enthused. Baby powder is helping old back. There's new spoilers up, and there's survival of the fittest on a bear. All right. Well, okay, yeah, that's pretty relevant. (laughs) It's a bear elf shaman that has survival of the fittest on it. Except it taps. It doesn't just use it. It has to tap. But it's still insane. And there's a new lay lay line in M10 or M11 that gives all your stuff flash and costs four mana. And then potentially, according to Eric Lauer... Uh, Voltaic key is also in M11. So this is big news. figure we should just... <laughs> Alright, so we'll pick one oh, and wow. read the full card for us here, because I'm actually still trying okay. to find it right Fauna now. Fauna Shaman. 
Fauna Shaman. This is the first card Conley was talking about. One in a green. Creature Elf Shaman. Rare. Pay a green and tap. Discard a creature card. Search your library for a creature card. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. She's a 2-2. She wears the talismans of every creature she can evoke. Wow. Now, if you don't think this is going to see constructed play in standard, when there is a little card called Vengevine around, you are crazy. This card is like Vengevine's favorite buddy. <laughs> if you untap this and a Vengevine in your hand, I don't see you like losing the game very often. Like, you're like, discard this Vengevine, either grab another Vengevine, or grab something like Core Skyfisher to get my Vengevine back or something. Like, this card seems absurd. And it's a bear. Like, your worst-case scenario, you're playing a 2-2-2. Two, two two. That must be answered. Like, this alongside Lotus Cobra, now your opponent always has to answer your 2-drop in green. That's just ridiculous. Like, this is not going to be like survival is in Legacy or whatnot, where it, like, is the main piece of your deck, and you have to deal with it, and if you don't, you lose the game. But, like, this guy is a definite role player in, like, any type of Bant or Naya or anything, those type of strategies. He seems absurd. It's even a useful, like, creature type, or a relevant one, I should say. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, another one here is Leyline of Anticipation. Sounds like it's a new men's cologne. <laughs> I'm giving this one to Gavin. I'm not saying anything about it. Gavin's allowed to do everything on this one. Okay. You want me to read it out, Gavin? Uh, yeah, you can read it out. Go for it. Okay. It's uh, two colorless and two blue. For an enchantment, it's also a rare. If Leyline of Anticipation is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. You may cast non-land cards as though they had flash. And- <laughs> oh, God, that's great. Uh, obviously, obviously, Conley gives me this one because I'm sure he doesn't so- think about I'm no- it. Hey, no, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't actually think about the fact that my card was way better than your card. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, so uh, th- this card is probably not playable. Like the thing is, is it's an effect that you wouldn't like normally pay for face value. So like you never play Vidalcan Ori, right? Like and outside of EDH. Now in casual formats, people are gonna love this card. Like people love Vidalcan Ori, right? You guys can probably attest to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, this card seems like it doesn't have a lot of constructed applications. Although the one area where I could see it being okay is in like a blue control mirror match because being able to play. Like your big threats at the end of their turn, especially with like you know some you know mana leak and real counter magic back, being able to play their threats at the end of your threats at the end of their turn is huge. Like, can you imagine, say, in step Jace? Do you have any responses? Yeah, like That's I mean, sick. Teferi saw a play, and I know this isn't Teferi, but I mean, this does have a lot of the same applications of it and more because you get things other than your creatures getting flashed. I mean, I don't know how much to play Teferi would have saw without mystical teachings. To be fair. But, like, this does offer Control Mirrors a really sweet cyborg card that provides outside-the-box thinking a little bit of a lift, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are definitely some applications. Um, the problem, like, there are a couple of big problems. Uh, first of all, uh, paying for it at retail is pretty poor. Um, second of all, it's not redundant. And so if you want, if the big issue is if you want Leland's to happen with any kind of consistency, you have to play more of them. And if, say, you have two of these, it just sucks. Because um, you're just down two cards in a control mirror match. And you have to already go down one card to play this. Um, but what's, what's actually way more exciting to me than what this card does is the fact that there might be four other ley lines in the set. Uh, or the fact that ley lines are coming back at all, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually just thinking about this like two days ago, how cool ley lines were, and that it's, we need to see them back. Um, all right, Gavin, so I'll, give you, I'll give you the other card, too, since that one sucked. And you can discuss the potential inclusion of Voltaic Key in the core set. So the, the quote from Eric Lauer quotes, which is Eric Lauer's Twitter account, is the M11 preview card for tomorrow costs one, not two. But the name has two words, not one. It is good with Temple Bell, but not Howling Mine. So people are speculating that it's Voltaic Key. So I will let Gavin can take that one as well, since he got a crappier card than my survival. I, I mean, what proof is there at all this is, is Voltaic Key? Um, other than that quote, there's not much. I mean, the thing is, is I'm sure this is probably just some new design card. I mean, it, it could be Voltaic, I guess. If I'm not going to say a ton about it because it's really hard to work with such an ambiguous statement. But if Voltaic were in standard, I think it would mean very little until Samiridin came out. I don't know what I would really do with it right now. I mean, I, mean, I think it, I think it would mean nothing in standard either. But think about extended. I don't know if it matters there. Is the thing. I mean, Mirrodin's rotated out. What are you going to untap? 
Um, Onyx Goblet. Yeah! Power play right there. That's <laughs> pro tips, people. Pro tips. Conley says Puerto play Rico. That's a sick card. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Like, Conley says play right. Onyx Goblet. All right, so Gavin just got the total short of a steak and not your horrible. I mean, it's okay. That's just the theme for the podcast, right? Like, oh, well, I don't I, want I, it to be the theme. To, 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 to be fair, in all fairness, I probably got what I deserved. So, yeah, since he's been big time against tonight. Well, Gavin, do you have any thoughts on fauna shaman? I mean, everything Conley said. Damn it. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Do you have any last thoughts about Emily before we wrap this up for our unbelievably long one card preview podcast? Yeah, Wizards is going to yell at us over this, and it's going to be pretty. Why is that? You got well, five of us on the same podcast. It's going to be good. I was, I was just, I was just joking. We give them honest thoughts. I think I only said phallus like three or four times. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, we're getting linked on the main page. It's going to be great. <laughs> Don't listen at minutes thirty-two, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, forty-eight, fifty-two, and one hundred five. <laughs> Angel Heart Vial has a tap symbol in it. I'm, I'm really sorry to sack that. The art is the only redeeming quality about that card, Eric. Dude, Conley. Well, toolbox. If you get on Conley, I figured it out. I figured it out, okay? What? Thousand Year Elixir. Oh, no, that's three words, isn't it? No, no, no. You can untap it with we'll take. Oh, I see. Hey, Dreamstone right, Hedron. Buy, buy that card up. Buy down. We'll take keys. If they reprint all three keys, people might be a little upset, though. I think it's like an $8 card right now. Probably wouldn't be I mean, much if they reprinted it. It's $8? I mean, yeah. Jeez. I mean, Esper Battle Mage? If Gavin has to say I mean one more time, I'm going to stab myself. Conley, Conley untapped our, uh, that card in States once, so he knows what he's doing. I played some Thousand Year Elixirs in States. It was good times. I played at Worlds, too, but it was not as good for me there. All right, Ethereum Astrolobe? <laughs> A hey, Vaughn Shaman. You can use Vaughn Shaman with your thousand year looks. You, you, you Ever flowing chalice. Wait, you could use Ashnod's Transmigrant on a Frost Titan and then untap the Frost Titan. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back around. It does. Guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, it was a fantastic M11 preview card from Wizards. We want to say thank you to the people that picked those cards, Jessica, everybody that gives it to us. Is it's You know, it's free. We. we we don't need to get these, but we'd love to get them, so we, I want to say we're always thankful for these. Well, speak for yourself. I need to get them. I have an yeah. IV hooked up right Leo, now. You have a problem. Border Post, Scanning Stone, Colony Gem. Oh, Eric is digging so deep tonight. <sighs> Guys, but, but anyway, this is our special preview podcast. We're still be having a Monday Night Magic, which we're actually going to record probably on Monday sometime, because I'm going to be up at the lake and getting back kind of early Monday afternoon. Cool. Master well, I'll try and be there. I won't be here, Gavin, so you can have the show all to yourself. Oh. <gasps> Dude, that's sad, but you're the reason why I came. But it's a Monday. I can't really... you, Gavin. Office <laughs> 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 uh, but, but Gavin, no, but, but seriously, Conley, he can send you all of his thoughts like in an email, so you'll be fully prepared for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Onyx Goblin. Gavin probably won't make, like, diaper jokes about people, though. Like, It'll be refreshing. The, the, yeah. the Revenge Crabs Baby Power episode is still our all-time most favorite episode. Yeah, but I didn't insult people for playing Frost Titan. I still feel bad about that, but, I mean, you, you might deserve to be insulted. We did insult people with STDs there. <laughs> That's fine. All right, Standard MTG cast. We'll be looking back at this in a year and be like, man, remember when we were so tame? Like, <laughs> you guys remember before Frost Titan? Oh, we way the past the point you remember when we were so tame. When did that magic... Monday Night Magic Tonight brought to you live from an orgy in New York on a high Coming to coming to next week next week's podcast, our special guest, PTR. <laughs> no, and how there's no way roll there's your no dollar way, bills to snort cocaine. Eighty five percent of our listeners did not get the PTR reference, just so you know, Gavin. But the six percent or the five percent that did, let me tell you. That, yeah, it was it's, it's good. PTR happens to be one of the most controversial Magic figures of all time, Tom. Maybe, maybe if I said Mike Long, people would have. Oh, I, I recognize Mike Long. PTR was he, he was violence and GD and all kinds of stuff. And now he's banned from every tournament ever. Yep. And he can't I go see. inside the tournament head of venues, or else he gets kicked out and escorted by fire marshals. How, how do they know it's him? Do, I mean, is it like a photo? Is it like when you try to get through 
customs with your passport? I mean, does it like blink up his picture and say, "This is PTR"? Taser him if you see. I him? I mean, he's pretty infamous. Like, I'm pretty sure we all know. Yeah, the judge, like the judges, all know him. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. This guy could come up and you know punch me in the kidney. I wouldn't know it's Dude, PTR. Well, he probably would. That's the problem. <laughs> he knocked. He knocked over a six-year-old kid because he thought that he nudged him at, in, in like earlier this year in oh, L.A. Oh, him. Like, yeah, I did every day just for fun. Walking Atlas. All right. I think we should probably wrap this show up. Wrapped. Uh, all right, guys. Yep. Thank you very much for joining us. That's all the artifacts, by the way, in standard right now. They have a tap symbol. <laughs> oh, God. Beat him with a hose. Uh, dark tutelage. Fantastic preview. Thank you for listening. Join us on Monday for another probably largely not magic-related podcast, but there'll be some there. So tune in. We'll, and I think we're going to do some more video game talk at the end. I liked that the last time. Shiny Force, I got support for it. You got, you I got so much. Huge amount of support for I Shiny know, Force. I know, because I'm a genius. I had, no idea, I, played, I had no idea there was that much love out there for that game. So good. Pretty much the amount of love that Shiny Force 2 has is about as much hate there apparently is for PTR. I think they're about <laughs> <laughs> So guys, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for listening. And guys, it was a, uh, actually a very fun podcast. And I learned something. More than I ever want to know about Esper Charm. I promise you. <laughs> so, so guys thank you have a good weekend enjoy the 4th of July 